worship and get into the presence of the Lord where there is freedom. So let us pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. We just thank you this morning, Lord God, for your presence, for the Holy Spirit in this place, Lord God. Take over right now, Father God, every single heart that is here, captivated into your hands, Lord God, and let your presence be known in their life, Lord God. Make yourself known to them today, to all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, just with our eyes closed in this place, come on. I'm going to ask you this question. Who's God to you this morning? Come on, as you begin to prepare your hearts and your minds for, for worship this morning, let me ask you this question. Who is God to you? When I say the name of Jesus, what does that mean to you? Come on, he's the name before all names. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Oh, worship your name. We sing songs to you. Oh, MPI, are you ready to sing songs to Jesus this morning? Oh, lift your voice. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh, have your way. Have your way. This first song is a song that most of us would know. We like to sing it because it's fast and it's fun. Come on. Help me sing in your life. Was in your life, I find my strength. Was in your truth, yes, I overcome. Was in your praise, yes, I lose myself. Was in your love. Let me hear you sing it. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness that my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart, my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, Look up a shout of praise. Come on, sing it in your joy. In your joy, I find my strength. I find my strength. Oh, in, in your hope, yes, I, I overcome. When in your grace, I lose myself. I lose myself. For in your love, will you turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness that my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, oh, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness that my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, oh, lift up a shout of praise. We sing out to you, Lord. 
Come on, you already know this part. Help me sing it out. Every voice. Whoa, oh, 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 your voice. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa. Tears of sadness into such joy and gladness that my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness that my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, shouting. Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, every voice. Hallelujah, that was fun. Come on. How many are having fun in church this morning? Amen. Come on. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, if that's all you can say, come on, just lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Come on and say his name. Say, Jesus. power in that name. There's power in that name. Oh, Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, with Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe we'll sing. Defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. 
forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So our God is three. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe every voice I believe. I believe in God our Father. Let me sing it. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So God is in one. I believe. Sing a song. Believe. Oh, sing a song from your heart this morning. Sing a song from your heart. Oh, sing a song from your heart. If you believe this morning, if you believe He's here, sing a song of His goodness. Sing a song of His faithfulness. Yes, I believe, I believe, I believe. Oh, I believe, I believe. Or sing a song, I believe. Yeah. We believe, Lord. We believe, Lord. I Yes, I believe. Oh, oh. Yes, I believe. Yeah. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion. And in your holy church, I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. all across this place I believe in the Holy Spirit I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus 
on, if you're filled with the Spirit right now, come on. We say we believe in the Spirit, so Spirit, come and have your way. Come on and speak your heavenly language. To Prepare us for your word. Ikana maso karabase. Sana maso karabase. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sikatana maso. Come on. Some of you guys need to exercise in the spirit. It's good to stay in shape. It's good to work out. It's good to eat healthy. Come on. But you got to know we got to work in the spirit. We have to work our our faith this morning come on isatana maso karababase katarabase isatana maso oh oh we grow we believe we believe sakatana maso isatana mase osana maso the spirit and you have a word this morning for the body come on won't you share it at this time If that word is for you this morning, once you lift your hands, come on, you need to receive the Lord this morning. Maybe you've been running, maybe you've been hiding, maybe you've been purposely ignoring what the Holy Spirit, you've been ignoring people that are going to church, you've been ignoring conversations about religion or God, but God has found you out this morning. Come on, if that word was for you, I want you to lift your hands high. Come on, I want you to lift your hands high. There is a God who loves you and he will move heaven and earth so that you would know. Come on, this morning, if that word was for you as your hands lifted, I want you just to receive right now the Holy Spirit. Come on, just say, I receive. I receive you, Holy Spirit, right now. Jesus. 
Come on, I'll receive. If that word is for you, I'll receive. And just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Come on, if that word is for you, maybe you want to repent before the Lord. Maybe you just want to draw close. And all you got to say is, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me of my sin. And offer him your heart. Receive you now. Come on, we have time for one more word in the house this morning. Thank you, Lord. We place no confidence in the flesh. We place our hope in you. Come on, maybe there's someone in here this morning that God is saying that you've had your hopes in other things. Come on, you had your hopes in yourselves and your abilities and how well you can talk and how well you look and how well you may handle relationships. But God's saying, don't put your trust don't put your hope in the flesh. It'll always fail you. Come on, if that's you right now, just disattach yourself from you. Come on, and just get filled off of the Spirit right now. Sit your eyes on Jesus. Sit your eyes on heaven this morning. Oh, it's all about you. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak. Freedom for the prisoner, we sing. A father to the fatherless, defender of the weak. Freedom for the prisoner, we sing. This is God in his holy place. This is God, clothed in love and strength. And sing out, lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our guide. And sing out, lift your voice and cry out. 
Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. You're with us in the wilderness, you're faithful to provide every breath and every step. We sing, you're with us, you're with us in the wilderness. Faithful to provide every breath and every step. We see this is God. This is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. And sing out. Lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. And sing out. Lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. We'll sing out. And sing Lift your voice and cry, cry. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. One more time, sing out and sing out. Lift your voice and cry. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. There is no Church, let's sing this out. There is no higher, no, there is no greater, no, there is none stronger than our God. There is, there is no higher, no, there is no, there is none stronger than our God. One more time, there is. There is no higher, no, there is no greater, no, there is no stronger than our God. Sing out, and sing out, lift your voice and cry out, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. And Raise your hands and shout out. It's awesome, is our strong God. Mighty is our God. Let's your voices sing out and sing out. Lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. Sing out and sing out. Raise No, there 
Father, there is none higher than you. There is no one greater than you. There was no one stronger than you, our God. So now, God, in this place, in this time, we give you the highest praise because we recognize that you are unlike any other. You are truly worthy and do honor. You are magnificent. You are glamorous. You are amazing in every way. Who are we as people to stand before your presence, God? To be in your awesome, mighty presence. Jesus. Jesus. Just right now, just, just start calling out to him. Jesus. Jesus. As we sing along with the songs and we, we just declare the adoration to God. Times like this, we, we sometimes we may miss just that connection that we really are having at that moment. But look, right now, right now, you can do it right now. Just call out to him, say, Jesus, I need you. You are amazing. I'm in awe of you, Lord. I am in awe of you, Lord God. That's where true worship is, right there. True worship in your heart, going to, towards God. Oh, Lord. If we can just play that, that part in that song, there, was, there is no greater. Just that part softly. And everybody in the congregation, let's just, let's just go along with it. Let's just mean it from the bottom of our hearts, from the deepest part of who we are. Let's acknowledge this today, that there was no one higher, there was no one greater, and there was no one stronger than our God. Stronger than our God. 
Jesus. There is no higher, no. There is no greater, no. There is none stronger than our God. Hallelujah, Lord, Father God. Yes, Lord, we mean it from the bottom, God, from our innermost parts of who we are, God. From our soul, Lord, we say there is no one higher than you, God. That's why we give you the praise. That's why we worship you. That's why we lift up our hands and we surrender towards you, God, because you are worthy, Lord. God, I just pray for this service, God, and I pray for this gospel presentation, God. Have your way. Just have your way, Lord. Speak to men's hearts, God. Speak to men's hearts. Let your word be the truth in, in their life. Let your word be a light in their, in their whole entire world, Lord. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You guys may be seated. My name is Ellie. I am one of the pastoral elders here on staff. We're going to take this time to dismiss the King's Kids. So if you can follow Stephanie as she's walking out right in the back, you can go that way. It's so awesome to see all the, the faces in this place. We're so happy that you, you came. You know, it's just a, such a blessing to us that, you know, we get to see you on Sunday. You know, to me, you're family. So, you know, I, I love every single one of you guys. I can tell you right now from the, the staff that we love every single one of you guys, and we're just happy that you're here. I want to take this time to just declare the gospel to those who have not heard it in this place or to those who are not giving their whole entire life to God. This is important to understand. If you have your Bibles or if, you, you know, if you're brand new and you don't have it, you can go right now to Romans chapter 6, and uh, it will be up on the screen as well. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And I want to give you some context real quick. Because I don't want to just give you just some, some concepts and it doesn't mean anything to you. This is simple. We all were created by God and for God. In the beginning, God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. And then he created man. And why did he create man in the first place? He created man because he wanted to have a relationship with man. He wanted man to rule over the earth as well. But he wanted to have a relationship with man. So if you are a, a man or a woman in this place, you can raise your hand. That's everybody, okay? We don't have like some weird alien right here in this place. No, like, everybody here is a human being. We are created in the image of God to have a relationship with God. But because of Adam's sin, we all have grown distant from God, separated from God. And this should, be, this should strike you as bad news right now because if you were, to, you were created to have a relationship with God, and that would be the most meaningful relationship you can have in your life, and you don't have it, that should be bad news to you. Basically, you're wandering and lost right now without real connection to why you're here on this earth in the first place for. That is what we all are in that condition at first. When we sin, when we disobey God, when we break his commandments, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. 
We can go in this life and say, man, I think I think I know what I'm doing. I'll do it my way. I believe in God my way. Whatever we think in our, our little minds, we think that way sometimes, don't we? I'll just do it my way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man. It seems right to do it this way, but it leads to death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, what is wages? It's basically what you get. It's your paycheck. So now that you've sinned, now that you have discontinued, you're away from God, separated from God, what, is, what are you going to get paid now? Are you going to get paid life and joy and peace and everlasting life? No, you're not. It says, for the wages of sin is death. You can expect, if you have not gotten right with the Lord, that your wage, your paycheck at the end of this life is going to be death. You're going to experience hell. You're going to experience that. That's bad news, isn't it? That's jacked up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to hell just because, I mean, I, I want to know what I'm here for. I want to know what, why I exist. I want to know if there is something I can get closer to, if I can just understand, I will do that. And that's what we're talking about today, the gospel, that we're creating the image of God. But now since we've sinned, yeah, we've, we've fallen short of God. But Jesus Christ comes. Jesus Christ comes. And what does he do? Does he just look at us and say, hey, man, you didn't do too good. Well, I'm just going to leave you like as it is. No, he doesn't do that. He says, I love you so much that even though you've sinned, even though that you have done all that, I'm going to die on the cross so that I can replace that, so that the, the wages of sin now comes on me. I experienced the death, but now you, you get to experience life. It says right here, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. You didn't, you didn't earn Jesus Christ dying on the cross for yourself. No, you didn't do that. It's a gift. God loves you that much. He wants to do it that much. He created you to have the relationship with you. He's passionate about you. That's why he's going after you constantly and constantly. And that's why he died on the cross, so that he can have that relationship with you. That's right there. The gift of God is eternal life. If anybody wants eternal life in this place, raise your hand. Make a hallelujah. Do whatever it is. But this is what we have. And if you have not experienced that, I, I just appeal to you right now. Be reconciled to God. This is what it's all about. Be reconciled to God. Amen? We can have everybody stand up. And we're just going to pray right now. So you can bow your heads and close your eyes. We do that in just respect and just to get rid of distractions. Lord God, you are amazing, Lord. And just to think about your love, it just overwhelms me, Lord. I hope that that message pierced the hearts of those who have not given their life to you, Lord. That they would understand that love is there. That relationship is there. That purpose is there if they just accept it. If they just confess you as Lord and repent of their sins, God, and say, God, I know you did it. Lord, I just pray right now that those who haven't gotten right, God, that it would do it today, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Woo! All right, if you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ or if you want to, you know, just like talk about it more, whatever you want, or you want prayer for anything, you can come up here to Pastor Berto and Pastor Griselda, and they will just 
they'll pray for you. They'll pour into your life. They'll let you understand the gospel more if that's what needs to happen. Amen? We're going to recite our confession of faith now. We do this every week because it's our worldview. It's what we believe. It's our core doctrines. So on a count of three, we can just uh, repeat it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in a perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in a second coming of Jesus who would judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys may greet your neighbors. We're going to have a fellowship video right now.
this morning. Make some noise. In love with Jesus, that is. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Metro Praise International. We are so excited to see all of your beautiful faces. Look to your neighbor and say, you are beautiful. And look to your other neighbor and say, it is so good you're here today. Make them feel the love, whether they want it or not. Woo! Praise Jesus. Welcome again to Metro Praise. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. Thank you for joining us week after week. Uh, we just love that you guys have chosen our church to be a part of your family. And if this is your first time here, uh, if you did not receive a brochure at the door, our ushers will get one to you. If this is your first time here, just kind of wave your hands. Let's clap. Let's give it up. Clap it up for our visitors. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. And just fill out the little card, cut it up, drop it in the drop box. We'd love to connect with you throughout the week. And uh, elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. They're rocking it out for Jesus, witnessing at the high schools, and we're just blowing it up. 11 to 18 years old, if that is you, come on by, bring your friends. Who's excited about that? I am. We have a fun, fun announcement. I'm not sure. Uh, we have a fun announcement. We are having an all-nations dinner, okay? All-nations dinner, October 5th. It will be a Sunday after service. So mark it in your calendars, October 5th, Sunday after service. And we want you to bring a dish that represents your nation. So we're going to probably set it up, weather permitting, outside. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we're just going to eat till our heart's content after church. How many of you guys are hungry after church? I know I'm hungry after church. So instead of going to some nasty buffet, okay, we'll have our own All Nations buffet with food made from scratch from all the beautiful cooking mamas in here, okay? And men, beautiful cooking men, okay? So join us, please mark it in your calendars. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. Say loving God, loving people. And then our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to our church, and we do that through life groups. On the back of your handouts, we have our schedule for this quarter. It's ending this month, and then October, we'll just start it up again. So take a look at that, and then this is a snapshot of all the life groups that are happening this week. Today, all of our single men are going fishing. So if you are older than 18, 18 years and up, meet here at the church at 3 p.m. Ishmael, where's Ish? Is Ish in the house? Okay, make some noise for Ish, even though he's not here. Woo, they're going fishing. Wednesday is our King's Kids Every Week Life Group for our children, infant to 11 years old. Drop them off, 6.30, pick them up at 8. You can stay with them if you like, or you could use that time off. Friday is our adult Bible study with child care providers, 7 p.m. You guys can make some noise for that. Powerful time at Bible studies, the presence of God, fellowship, uh, just loving God and loving people is what we do best, okay? And then Saturday is our evangelism, all ages, 5 p.m. Come on out. If you've never been street witnessing before and preaching the gospel outside of the four walls, we really want to challenge you and encourage you to try it. Even if it's once a month, get out there, share your faith. You may say, hey, I don't know how to answer people's questions. It's okay. You tell them they need, they need Jesus, and then you learn from that, okay? So it strengthens your faith, amen? So make it a commitment. Pick one of these life groups. They would love 
All the leaders would love to welcome you into their home. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through this, to teach you how to live for Jesus. And then disciples that make disciples. It's 12 lessons. This is our leadership class where we raise you up, train you, teach you how to be a leader and how to win your city for Jesus. And then we want to send you out so that you can preach to your coworkers, win your family, your neighbors, to be a witness wherever you go. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. Look to your neighbor, say, we can do it. With Jesus, all things are possible. Amen. At this time, we are going to give our tithe and offering lesson through the Disciples Giving Book. If you didn't know, there is a Disciples Giving book online. So if you want to turn on your little beautiful smartphone, go to your Safari and go to givingbook.org. It'll come right up for you. We're on lesson three on stewardship. And if you didn't, uh, if you weren't here for all the other lessons, lesson one of the book, lesson two, you can go on here, givingbook.org, and just kind of go back and use it as your devotional. So today we are on lesson nine. If you could turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Luke 16, 11. That is the verse we're going to be reading from, Luke 16, 11. Lesson 9 today. Stewards are trustworthy. Somebody say trustworthy. And here is the definition of stewardship. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So we are managers of everything that is in our reach, in our influence, everything that we have in our life, family, finances, work, everything. Luke 16, 11, if you're there, say, I'm there. So if, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That's Jesus talking. Here are the main points from that passage. Number one, trustworthy with worldly wealth. Jesus was both the wisest and most practical teacher of all time. His insight to stewardship was simple yet profound. Why should God give you true heavenly riches and eternal rewards when you can't even manage temporary and worldly wealth? Well, in other words, why should God reward you if you only used your money for your needs and not his kingdom? Come on, talk about it. Okay, we have to be honest and take inventory. If we're only going to take care of our four and no more, then why should God bless us with more? If we can't tithe off of $100, which is what? Why should he give us an increase, a bonus of 1000 We won't be able to tithe the 100 off of that, right? If you're faith with a little, God's going to give you more. If you can't tithe off of 100 you won't tithe off of 1000 Come on, it all belongs to him, amen? Number two, worldly wealth versus true riches. Worldly wealth is temporary. Say temporary. True riches are eternal. Worldly wealth is easily lost. True riches can never be taken away. Worldly wealth is earned by both the wicked and the righteous. Think about that. Donald Trump, he's not following after Jesus and following his commands, but he's got wealth. But his wealth is temporary. Ours, when we store up and we tithe and we are faithful with God, we're storing up ourselves treasures in heaven. Amen? Worldly wealth is earned by both the wicked and righteous. True riches are only given to the righteous. That's you and me if we're following God's command. So the Bible says that we should store up for, our for ourselves treasures in heaven where raw moth and rust do not destroy and thieves can't come in and steal. 
Okay, and then there's going to come a time where, you know, in Revelation it says we're going to lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. What are you storing up for yourselves in heaven? What is going being added into your bank account up there? What are you going to be able to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, I, and say, I gave you this? We're going to lay our crowns at his feet. And so we have to earn eternal treasures. And really the only thing that counts in, in our heavenly bank account is souls. So we have to use our resources, use our time, use our energy for his kingdom. Number three, are you trustworthy? Have you been trustworthy with your tithes and offerings? Have you been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth? Will God reward you with true riches in heaven? Here's the summary. Be trustworthy with your worldly wealth in tithes and offerings. That's how we are trustworthy before God with everything that is here in our hands on earth by being faithful in our tithes and offerings. And how does this apply? Here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and your offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, ask God to give you a deep insight into the differences between worldly wealth and true riches. And number three, be trustworthy in everything that you do with your family, your church, job, friendships, finances. God is taking account. He's taking inventory of our life. We will be held accountable to everything we've said, done, and did with our time, money, resources. And so we have to be ready for him to keep us accountable on judgment day and give an answer for what we've done. Amen? Stand up to your feet with me this morning as we get ready to confess this powerful word over our life. On the count of three, one, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. At this time, we're going to prepare to give our tithes and offerings. On the envelope, you can designate the amount at each section. If it's your tithe, put the amount. And then we have a building fund and a missions fund. And at this time, we're continuing our missions fund giving. How many of you guys are excited that we're still going to the Philippines next summer, 2015? So keep your commitments. If you just came on board and you made a pledge last week, be faithful to giving your missions offering because it's all going to go to the Philippines trip. Amen? So let's recite Acts 20. 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for every single person in this room, that they work and they're faithful to give you their tithes and offerings so that your kingdom can come to this earth, so that we could win Chicago for you and the gospel can be preached to all the nations. God, you know our heart. We want to give so that we can give you more, God. We want to be givers, God. We want to receive more, to give more. And I just pray that you would bring increase and prosperity to every person here. As they are faithful with the little, God, you will bring them much increase. As they're faithful in the small areas, you will put them in charge over bigger areas. And I just pray that you bless the offering, the gift, and the giver this morning and meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
Come on, how many ready for Hot Topics? What's up, what's up? Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're talking about immigration today. Immigration, it's an intimidating subject for me being a gringo. Uh, the only other more intimidating subject I could see myself preaching today was if I came to a women's conference and I needed to preach to the women understanding the emotions of a woman. Okay, so it's a little bit difficult for me to be preaching on immigration today. But as you can see, there's no la migra. Let's give it up for Jesus. You're free. <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, that's for real. No la migra. My pastor's awesome. It's going to be a great sermon. I learned so much from studying this subject because I knew so little. It's like when I would hang out with people and they were like really conservative and they're like, ship them all back. And they would tell me all this stuff and it, it would kind of make sense. And I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then I would talk to somebody else like, revolution, let them all stay. And I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Let them stay. Why not? We took the land from them anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I crossed the, the border of Mexico, the Mexican, uh, the American border crossed them, right? We took over parts of Mexico. So I'm with it. And that's why I wore the, the statue of liberty today so i just want everybody just to love me as their pastor as i take on this real intimidating subject i have the conservatives on this side the liberals on this side but jesus right in the middle amen bridging the two together making a happy family all together as one just put out your finger like this touch your neighbor's finger right now and go together as one together as one there we go now I'm really getting, and, and I'll just give you the long story short. You know, we can leave in like 20 seconds right here because I'm just going to tell you the end of the message right now. Uh, just kidding, but let's stay and hear, hear all the reasons why. But Immigration Table, Immigration Table is an evangelical Christian site. All the cool pastors are on it. Uh, the president of the Assemblies of God, George Wood, uh, the largest church in Illinois, uh, Bill Hybels, a whole bunch of other folks are on it. And they have a website that I got a lot of the information from because I think they taught me a lot as being a pastor. And so what they're going to do is they're actually going to read this scripture, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. They're going to read it and uh, from this video. So would you scroll up, please, and follow along in your Bible as you kind of just watch this video. And Oh, and by the way, I'm going to make the note um, on our Facebook page, Metro Praise, for uh, the Facebook. So if you have any questions when I'm preaching today, you can go there and uh, ask me. So yeah, just go ahead and get that video ready, and I think you'll love these guys. And we may have to, yeah, scroll it, uh, minimize it. Okay, you'll figure it out. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming. Watch this video real quick. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nation will be gathered before him. And he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was a stranger. I was a stranger. I was a stranger. Fui extranjero y me invitaron a su hogar. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison 
and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will turn to those on his left and say, Depart from me, you who are cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. And you did not look after me. And then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? He will reply, truly, I tell you. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Come on, how many want eternal life? Amen. So, basically, I'm going to sit down for this message. How am I going to be happy? I'm going to sit down, okay, because uh, I don't want to offend anybody. No, I'm kidding. Um, if I offend anybody on this message right here, then you are just easily offended. That's all I can say, because, like, I have, like, every intention in my mind to be nice, to be patient, to say it right, and so if you get offended, you're just easily offended. So look at your neighbor and say, don't be easily offended. Okay, so scroll up to the scripture, please, um, that, he, that they all just read. Matthew 25, it's basically Jesus talking about the end time judgment, what that's going to be like. Uh, Cynthia, could you scroll up, please, to the uh, scripture? And as you're looking in your Bible, there's this uh, separating that Jesus has from the sheep and the what? The goats. Are the sheep the good people or the bad people? Okay. Are the goats the bad people or the good people? Okay, so all of humanity is broken off into sheep and to goats. Which one do you want to be? Which one should the church be? Okay, so we're all on the same page now. Now, what the uh, shepherd here says to the sheep is he says, You fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You brought me in when I was a stranger. You took care of me when I was homeless. Does everybody get that? Then they say, Jesus, when did we see you homeless? Jesus, when did we see you, uh, you know, needing something to eat? And then what does he say? Go on down right here. Verse 35, he says all this, and then go keep going down, please. Look at, um, look at the verse 37. Thank you. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Look at verse 40. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, somebody say the least of these. Thank you. The least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for who? You did for me. So when we're clothing the naked, who are we clothing Jesus, that's what he says. When we're feeding the hungry, who are we really feeding? When we're going to visit people in prison, who does Jesus say we're doing it for? For him. Okay, so as we begin this discussion about immigration, it's a bigger discussion than just what we do with people crossing the border. It's what we do with people in our life unto Jesus. 
It's how we treat people that's going to matter. Because let me start this off. Immigration, as I have studied, has changed many times in America. So this has become a political issue. And I don't mind getting into politics. I just think there's always so many nuances in it. It's hard to find the black and white. So I just like to preach black and white, okay? So I'm not here to try to, to, to take sides in the different positions. I'm just here today to tell you whether America does X, Y, or Z in immigration, that that does not change how we, how we treat the naked, the homeless, the hurting. Are you guys with me? Okay, so for example, like if you're in China right now, and China says it's against the law to have church, are we going to stop having church? No. Now, they can change all the laws. They can do whatever they want. In China, they say you can really only have one child. I would not stop having more than one. I would not stop with one. Are you guys listening? And if I got in trouble and I came to your house with my children and I said, they found out that I've had more than one child. Can we stay in your house? How many would let me stay in your house? Three of you, four of you. Okay. I'm going to know. I'm going to remember who you are. The rest of you now raising your hand. Thank you for those of you who raised your hands. You're coming over to my party tonight. I'm having a, I'm having a, a big party. Okay. Now, the next... The next one, he's talking to the goats, and he says, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, why are they going to an eternal fire? Are they going there because they stole, they murdered, they hurt people? No, they're going there because what they didn't do. Come on, you all getting that? Sometimes we all think to ourselves, well, I don't steal, I don't murder, I don't kill anybody, and we think we're going to go to heaven based on what we don't do. No, Jesus said first to get into heaven, you have to do the act of faith. Put your trust in him. Now that that is settled by putting your act of faith in him, the rewards and the blessings that you get are the things that you do, not just what you don't do. Meaning there's not going to be an award in heaven for people who didn't murder others. Okay, let's give a golden star to all the people in heaven who didn't murder people. And then you all get golden stars. Let's give a golden star to all the people who didn't steal from each other. No, you're going to be rewarded for what you gave, for what you sacrificed, for what you did in his kingdom. Can I hear an amen on that? Okay, now what happens? He says, y'all didn't take care of people. You didn't help nobody. You didn't care about the homeless. You didn't care about people in prison. And scroll down, please. What does he say? Uh, what do they say back to him? They say, Jesus, when did we, verse 44, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty, a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and did not help you? Because in their mind, they're like, I would have did it for Jesus. If I would have saw Jesus here, Jesus would have deserved my help. See, I would have helped them if they deserved it, but they don't deserve it, so I don't help them. See, that kind of attitude God is saying is whack. Look at your neighbor and say, that's whack. See, that kind of attitude is whack. Jesus is going to answer and say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, who are the these? The stranger, the one that doesn't have a country to live in or is traveling to another country? The, who, who is the least of these? The one needing clothes? The one sick? The one in prison? He said, what you didn't do for the least of these, you did not do for me. You didn't do for Jesus. Now look at verse 46. Terrifying, but yet exciting. Depends on what side of the, the line you're on. Then they will say, then they will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What side are you going to be on? Are you going to be a sheep or a goat? So when we 
enter into this discussion about immigration that may have policies that have changed over time in America, let's not put our patriotism before the word of God. Let's put the word of God before all other things. Now where, if you're an American and you really love America, where have we seen people put God above patriotism? Our founding fathers. That's what they did. They said, we will first serve God, then we'll serve our country. We'll be one nation under God. They later put into the Pledge of Allegiance, now on the dollar bill, in God we trust. Not the Constitution, not the dollar bill, not the U.S. economy. In God we trust. Okay? Now, there are going to be some laws that we got to abide by even if we don't agree with them as long as they do not come against the righteousness of God. So there can be times when we can disobey laws, but we shouldn't just go around disobeying any kind of law and say, that's what God told me to do. So like I raped somebody. Why would you rape somebody? Well, God told me I could do it. You know, why did you, you cheat on your taxes? The Lord said I needed more money. No, but if, God's, but if the law says don't serve God, then we're going to break that law. I would rather serve God than man. If the law says I can't have children, if the law says I can't help hurting people, I'm still going to help hurting people. Is everybody with me? Okay, now let me give you some U.S. immigration stats. Let me go through some of the details here. All of our notes are online either at the Facebook page or at the website. Here we go. And can we get a fan on me, Pastor Burrell? Because I know you all probably chilly. Is anybody chilly? I'm, okay, I'm a little hot right now. I got shorts on and everything. I just want a little fan on me. Is that okay? Like, Pastor, go for it. I'm going to go for it. Thank you. Okay, here's some U.S. immigration stats. 12.5% uh, of people living in the U.S. were born in another country compared to 5% in 1960. And the highest time when we had people from other countries was in 1890, 15%. So let's just demonstrate this right now. Let me just give everybody... Just to see where I'm coming from. We can all watch him, or y'all can look up at here what y'all want to do. Let's just watch Bertle do this. Look at him unscrew that thing. Well, now he's going to have to find a plug. Where's he going to plug that thing at? Oh, there's a plug. Maybe that guy's going to have to move. Oh, let's see if he has to move the fan now. Maybe put it right there. Well, this is awkward. The pastor just stopped, and we're watching that guy put up a fan. Well, it's really cool. Can he plug it in? Maybe turn around the plug. Try it that way. There you go. Okay. I don't have any more jokes to say. We'll be here for a while watching the dude plug in a fan. Um, I don't even, what was I talking about? Oh, okay, so we got so many people up in the thug dizzle. That have come from other countries. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you're illegal, stand up. We're not going to do that. Okay? We're not going to embarrass you like that today. But I do want to ask you this. So I need everybody to participate. Okay? Somebody say, yes, pastor. Okay. If you were born in a country outside of the United States, would you stand up, please? You were born in another country than the U.S. Thank you. And just kick it down one. Okay. If and then for those by video who can't see it, maybe 5% of our congregation. If, keep standing, if your parents were born outside of the United States, would you please stand? If your parents were born outside of the United States. Now we're looking at about 40%. Okay. 
if your grandparents, your grandparents, like grandma, grandpa, wela, wela, you know, your grandparents were born outside of the United States, would you stand up? Your grandparents. Okay. And lastly, this would be for me because my, I'm half literally Italian, half Polish. Everybody married Italian. Everybody married Polish until my mom and dad, and they broke the trend. And, and both of my great-grandparents came from their, their countries. My great-grandparent came from Poland in the early 1900s, and the other one came from Italy. So if your great-grandparents came from the motherland, would you stand up? Okay. So immigration has affected almost 90%, 85% of our congregation. Now let's give everybody a hand clap for participating. Thank you. You may be seated. So it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal how we think about this because 85% of us all have a connection to immigration. And guess what? If you go back as far as I do in, my, in your great-grandparents, early 1900s, the whole entire immigration was totally different. So let's approach this with some grace. Let's approach this with some compassion. Why? Because my parents and my great-grandparents did not have to come like the way people have to come today. And maybe if they had to come that same way, they never would have came. So I need to approach this subject with grace. Does everybody get that? How many would like to see more gringos approach the subject with grace? Grace for the gringo. Okay? So what I'm trying to say is I just can't be like, go back to the country, go back. You know, because, oh, what was immigration like 100 years ago? Oh, it was totally different. It really started to change around the 1960s, and it's changed many times since then. Now, look at number two. There's currently now, that's, that's all immigration. We didn't ask if anybody was legal or illegal. But now, number two, there's over 11 million illegal immigrants living in the U.S. And when we talk about immigration, isn't that really what we're talking about? That's really where that divide comes, is legal versus illegal, and what do we do with the illegal immigrants? Well, I, as a pastor, have had the opportunity to meet two different kinds of people. There's the one kind that are the very conservative. They're packing guns on the Texas border, and they're like, we're sending them all back, okay? And then there's the other side here in Chicago fighting for immigration reform, waving the Mexican flag with the Che Guevara flag. And let us stay, let us stay, okay? And there's a problem with that. If you're asking to stay in America, waving a Mexican flag, and a communist revolutionary is your hero, we got a problem. Why don't you come wave the American flag in Abraham Lincoln? Waving the Mexican flag demanding to stay with the Che Guevara communist dictator. If you want to know what that's like, move to Cuba, because that was his buddy, if you think it's so much fun over there, right? So I, I, I don't agree with either, personally, and I may offend both sides, but I really, 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 really believe there's a good middle ground. Now, I don't think there's a good middle ground between, like, Satan and God, you know? Well, I'm kind of good, kind of evil. No, I don't think there's a middle ground there. I don't think there's a middle ground with abortion. We, we sometimes can kill them and sometimes we don't. No, I don't think there's a middle ground with homosexuality. I, I think it's a sin. But I am telling you, because this involves legislation and diplomacy and man-made laws and people with hidden agenda in politics, how many know just whatever you're seeing politics and politicians, there's generally hidden agendas. How many see that there's 
selfishness. I mean, it's so hard to trust them all. They're all just so slithery, you know. But I really believe there's a middle ground. And I have tried to talk to those in the congregation who have really studied this as well, and I have done my study. So, yes, I am intimidated preaching this like a man preaching in a woman's conference on the feelings of a woman, but I feel like I have studied, and I feel like I'm ready for this. Can I hear an amen if you believe your pastor can do it? Okay, now let me give you some things to think about. Okay, because there's 11 million illegal immigrants in the country, the big thing the conservatives are going to say is, you know what, they're costing us money. And there was this whole study that was done, point number three, on how much the illegal immigrant takes from the U.S. taxpayer. So they said that the illegal immigrant, on average, uh, makes around 24000 or excuse me, received around 24000 of government benefits. And the highest benefit that the illegal immigrant is receiving is school for their children, okay? While they only pay 10000 in taxes, and this includes... Um, Spending tax, sales tax, every kind of tax, right? This has generated a fiscal deficit, they say, of around $14,000 per household, which costs America around $54 billion a year. So even though there's some inexpensive labor, there's paying into Social Security that they never take out, there is this paying of sales taxes and maybe not getting all the rights that a citizen would have, there is still a deficit because they're not making enough to put the taxes in to cover what they're taking. And what generally covers those taxes is middle class, blue collar, America, and onward up to upper middle class that pays a higher rate of taxes and makes more money. Now, right there at that point, the conservative goes, see, we need to get them out of the country. All America is going to be destroyed. We're going in debt because of the illegals, okay? Now, the flip side of that is point number four, which is the people on the immigration pro side say, hold on. Not only does this problem affect uh, the illegal immigrant making 24000 it actually is affecting all the poor in our communities. So if you're poor only making 24000 no matter if you're legal or not, you're going to cost the state that much money. So they say if we made the illegal immigrants legal, now they could increase their wage. They could find better jobs. Their college and education could increase. And then there was another study done that if you made them legal, they began to go to college, take on management positions and so forth. They could add $1.5 trillion to the American economy over 10 years. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? So it's like, oh, do we lose $54 billion a year by keeping them in a legal status? Or do we want to gain $1.5 trillion by allowing them to be legal? Does everybody see? That's a little, little, little bit of a kind of a scale we have to weigh through. Now, once again, we have to look at the repercussions if we did the other thing, the uh, conservative, which I don't want to say conservative, I'll just call it the kick them out thing. Look at number five. 50% of all workers in the U.S. agricultural um, job market are undocumented. So this means if we were to force them all out, that the 
industry that we have through our agriculture, which doesn't just affect the person picking the, the, the tomatoes or whatever. It affects the grocery stores. It affects how much groceries, uh, how much money you spend on groceries. There is a trickle-down effect. So if they get out, we lose $9 billion, and then the Farm Bureau says they may not even recover to get the goods off of the, uh, the plants. And then 73% of children from unauthorized immigrants are citizens by birth. So that means now you already have mixed families. So if you said, okay, everybody's got to go, you're now leaving children behind. Husbands and wives are being separated. And I don't think God wants that. Let's look at here the immigration stats of, our, um, of the illegal immigration over the last 12 years. Go down and look at that chart, please. Um, which nation do you guys think is number one? Which nation do you guys think is number one? Okay, how many love Mexico? How many love to eat Mexican food? Okay, how many, have, how many are glad they're here? Amen? Now, if you want to send them back, that's up to you. But I think I have a better solution for it, and I'm going to get to that at the end. But I think there's a better solution than just sending them back. Okay, I got some ideas. But the number one nation is Mexico, 6.7 million in our country. El Salvador, number two. Anybody here from El Salvador? Okay. How about Guatemala? Any Guatemalan folks? Yeah, yeah. Number four is Honduras. Any Hondurans here? Woo. Okay. Number five, Philippines. Are the Filipinos up in the house? Panais and Panois. India. Namaste. Any people from India? Korea. I know no Koreans. China. Number nine, Ecuador. Any Ecuadorians? All right. And number 10, anybody from Vietnamese of Vietnam? Okay, so that's where they're all from. Now, here's my idea, and I'm going to give it to you in short, and I'm going to tease it out through the message. Here's my idea. If we're going to compete with the worldwide economy that's going really towards the direction of China and India right now, I think we need to revitalize revitalize our working class. And I believe one of the best ways we could revitalize the working class is to allow immigration to come in and for us to begin to bring back the jobs of industry we've shipped over to China and to bring back the jobs that would keep us making things and doing things. And I think that immigration would help spur that on because that's what spurred it on in the early 1900s was people coming hungry to work, hungry, hungry to abide by the law and make America a better place. So people like my grandpa worked in coal mines. And I believe that by doing that, we can have the industry jobs come back to America and I believe if we got where Europe and Asia is at with the transportation, like let's say with these railroads that they're building that are like high speed, 300 miles an hour, we could build railways across this nation and stimulate the economy once again. So that's personally what I believe. And I don't believe that we should treat illegal immigrants as if they're a burden to us. I think we should appreciate them wanting to come to our country, use their labor, give them citizenship, and then allow them to increase in their own way to become business owners and managers and so forth. And what I think has been kind of funny is that some of the people in our church that have some of the strongest opinions against illegal immigration, their family came over here illegally. So we really need to make sure that we're talking about this fairly because if your family came over illegally, then you went to the schools and now you've gotten an education and you want to slam that door shut and say nobody else can come in, I think you're missing the point.
Now, if you look at here, the number one country being Mexico, I think is a blessing. Why? Because Mexico shares borders with us, and if we did it the right way, they could help us to jumpstart this kind of economy because I believe that people from Mexico appreciate family, hard work ethics, and so forth. How many people believe that? Okay, so that's kind of where I'm going. But now I just want to share with you some biblical things. I don't want this all to be about politics. I want to give you six principles about nations, culture, and the U.S. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Okay, number one, creation. The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve in his image and that then Adam and Eve created the, uh, procreated the human race. Now, what happened to the human race after they fell into sin? They then were judged by Jesus at the time of Noah. So when Noah got off the boat and the world was destroyed, how much was, what was the population of the world? How many know? Eight people. Noah, his wife, three guy children, three boys, and then their wives. Now, where did all the cultures come from? Where did all the skin color come from? Where did all the languages come from? Anybody wonder that? Now, there's this rumor that goes around, and this is what I want to say at this point, that a lot of times when we talk about immigration, what comes up a lot is racism. It's racist to think this kind of a looking person is better than this kind of a looking person, right? But where did that racism come from? Where did cultures come from? I want you to click on. Uh, the source that I have for number two, Cynthia, please. And I want you to play this video because it's going to show you where races and culture came from. Because I believe there's only one race, the human race. And I believe that skin tone and those kinds of things, that really doesn't mean we're different races. It's just different cultures. Now, you see this video right here? Yeah, go ahead and play it. And then we're going to watch this cool video that I have set up for you guys today. There it is. Let's give it up for Cynthia on the back, making it happen. I don't know how she does it, but she's awesome. And just click on it. Boop. I hear for your enjoyment. How can check this out. Races in the world if we were all descendants of Adam and Eve? Well, check this out. First off, let's talk about the word race. Sometimes when people use the word, they mean supposed races of people who have evolved at different times, rates, and in different locations. That's not true. Of course, the word race is also a term we use to distinguish between groups with different physical traits, namely skin color. But are there really different races? Take a gander at Acts 17.26, where it is written that God, from one man, made every nation of men. It's clear then that the Bible teaches that there is one race, the human race. The Bible is also clear that all people on the earth are descendants of Adam and Eve who were created by God. Check Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Easy enough. God created two people in his image, male and female, and told them to increase in number. So Adam and Eve are mom and dad of the human race. Then their children had children, and those children had children, and so on and so forth for many generations until, according to Genesis 6, 9, the world's population was reduced to eight people who were protected inside an ark during a global flood. And those eight people later walked off the ark, and according to Genesis 9:19, from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Oh, wait a second. What do I mean scattered? Well, jump over to Genesis 11, and let's talk about an event known as the Tower of Babel. Basically, because of the sinful actions of the descendants of Noah, the Lord confused their language and scattered them from there over all the earth. That's pretty clear and concise. Okay, so we've got lots of people who are descendants of the eight folks who came off the ark, and now they have been scattered all over the earth. That explains that we are still one race and that different groups of people ended up in different locations. But how do we get a bunch of different colored people if we are all one race? 
Well, follow along. This, of course, is a simplified explanation, but the basic principles are true. We all have a pigment in our bodies called melanin, which, depending on different variables, produces different shades of the one main skin color we all possess. Several genes control the amount of melanin produced and thus the variability in the skin shade. In fact, it's easy for one couple to produce a wide range of skin shade variability in just one generation, as we'll see in just a moment. Time for a quick genetics lesson. DNA is the molecule of heredity that is passed from parents to children. A child inherits 23 chromosomes from each parent. Each chromosome pair contains hundreds of genes which regulate the physical development of the child. However, to illustrate basic genetic principles pertaining to the topic, we'll just talk about two genes, the genes that control the production of melanin. So, let capital A and capital B symbolize versions of the gene that code for large amounts of melanin, while little a and little b code for small amounts. Got it? Easy. Check this out. Take a look at the upper left. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B genes, and mom contributes capital A, capital B genes as well. Together they will produce a child with capital A, capital A, capital B, and capital B. This is a kid with a lot of melanin, thus he will have very dark skin. Easy to see. Here's the bigger point though. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B, and mom contributes little a and little b. Well, the child's skin will be middle brown shade, the combination of capital A, little a, and capital B, little b, which by the way represents a majority of the world's population. Not only that, but if each parent is capital A, little a, capital B, little b, the combinations that could be produced in their children could result in a very wide range of skin shades in just one generation. So. Since Adam and Eve were the first people ever, it makes sense to conclude that God placed in them a combination of genes that could produce all different shades of skin we see. Those same combinations would be present in Noah and the seven other people who boarded the ark. And because God dispersed people at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the population, thereby isolating gene pools in the different people groups. Over time, different cultures formed in different locations with certain features like skin shade becoming predominant. And here we are today. And since we all go back to Noah and his family, it makes sense that we are all different shades of brown. One race, multiple people groups, just like the Bible teaches. Simplified for sure, but enough said. Come on, give it up if you learned something in church. So skin t color, uh, eye shapes, uh, different heights, and different things about our physical nature have come from the Tower of Babel by us isolating our genes according to the languages God gave us to separate us. So is there multiple races? No. One human race with different skin color and different physical attributes. So when we're talking about uh, how we're dealing with immigration, we're really talking about how to deal with the human family. You see how that sounds better than saying how we're dealing with Mexicans, Vietnamese? We're dealing with humans of our same family. They're in the same family I'm in. So if you took the whitest of white, somebody from Scandinavia or Sweden, and the darkest of black, somebody from Africa, or the brownest of brown from someone from India or Nepal, or somebody from, uh, you know, the Latin American country, we're all one family. And Jesus loves all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. Amen? Now, point number three, God developed a special nation, though, that he would use to bring his laws through and that he would bring his Messiah through to do what? To redeem the world. And that nation is called what? Israel. So he chose the Jewish people, not because they were better, not because they did things better, but he said, I'm going to use this nation as an example, and anyone that wants to come be a part of this nation can do so if they're willing to obey the laws. So what was the immigration status of God with his holy nation Israel in the Old Testament? You can see it in Exodus 22:21 and Leviticus 19, 33 through 34. It was a very simple immigration status. Hey, you're all welcome to come. You just got to obey by our laws. 
Do you know what other great nation started off the same way with immigration laws just like that? Guess which one it is, guys? You don't know what other great nation did that? What do I have on my shirt? What is this? Statue of what? Did they have to do a whole bunch of things when they came? What did they have to do when they came to America? Just abide by the laws. See, America started with that same principle. It's disappointing that some of you didn't know that. I don't know if you guys are just shy this morning, but that's actually what we started off as. You know, there was a poem written about uh, America and our immigration. It was actually put at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Has anybody been there, Statue of Liberty? Nobody. Okay. Maybe that's why you don't know what's going on. Um, but, yeah, there's this statue that's right in the New York Bay there, and it's a big woman, and she holds you all. Okay, you know what it is then. Or you haven't been there. You know what it is. Okay. I don't know how far back I needed to go here. But there is a poem that's written, that's put there at the base of it. And you know part of the poem, what it says? It says, keep ancient lands, you stored pomp. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. See, that was the heart of America. The heart of America said, send us your hurting. Send us those that are homeless. Send us who are tossed about. Keep your pompous people and send us the ones who are hurting. That's how America believed in immigration early on. See, I think things have changed, and I think part of the reason is racism. And I believe in the church we need to do away with racism. We need to remind our leaders, our families, and everyone here that we all come from one race, the human race. And our laws as a nation should reflect that. Not just today, like that would be a grand novel idea, but our laws should reflect our founding father's heart. Which is, you're welcome in America, just keep our laws. You're welcome to come here, but obey our laws. And we'll get back to what if they break our laws and they're here and what should we do then. But I just want us to understand that. Now, moving on, Jesus came, and what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I'm going to still make a covenant with the Jewish people. I'm going to allow that to, maintain, uh, be, um, to be maintained. But now I'm going to open up the blessings to the Gentiles so that Gentiles can be blessed with Israel. How many Gentiles, non-Jewish people, do I have here today? Are you glad that Jesus... Jesus adopted you and are giving, is giving you the blessings of Israel? Because when you read the Old Testament, when you read Psalms and Deuteronomy and you get those blessings, who was those written to? Israel, Jewish people. But if you're in Christ, those blessings are now for you. And when Jesus comes back, where is he coming back? To the Bronx? Where is he coming back? To downtown Chicago? Where is Jesus coming back? Jerusalem. How many want to be a part of that kingdom? How many want to be a citizen there? And number five, nations now are a gift that God gives to people. Turn with me quickly to Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 talks about God giving nations and the laws as a blessing to the people. And this is where I want to now say that whenever people break laws, they should be punished. Because if they break laws that have been established for common good, they're not breaking a law to do something righteous. They're breaking a law in an unrighteous way. There should be punishment. And so if America does not safeguard its borders, 
then anyone can come in and do harmful things. So shouldn't we protect our borders? Now, anyone that says that immigration, we should not protect and keep a secure border. Let me immigrate into your house tonight and see how much you like it. I'm just immigrating. I'm just coming into your home. Think about it. It's the same thing. America is built by its people, its taxpayers, its roads, its civil government. It's by the people and what? For the people. So if we're saying to the nations, don't regard our laws, just break in and do whatever you want, they are now becoming hypocrites because they would not want that done to them. So God's not asking us to do that, is he? No, we shouldn't break laws. How many want somebody to break into your house tonight and say, I'm just immigrating? Right? I think I've gotten a little bit of love from you guys that are maybe more stronger towards immigration. Didn't I get a little bit of love, give you guys some love? But you've got to follow me on this. We don't break laws. So as Christians, we're going to help, we're going to reach out, but we've, we've got to understand, we've got, we've got to change the laws. That's what I'm going to get towards the end. I believe we should change the laws and not encourage people to break them, okay? But this is what God said about nations. Here's what he said. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So according to the Bible, who is in charge of all the nations? God. Even if they're wicked and he allows them to be overturned, God still is ultimately in control. God allowed America to dispose of the king and then to make a president in this nation. God sovereignly allowed that. Are you guys with me? God sovereignly has allowed a nation to be established, a nation to be established or to be overtaken. So number six, the United States was built on open immigration and Christian principles, and I believe that's what we should go back to. I believe that we need to change the laws and then enforce the laws. So let me say it like this. If some of you already wrote me some mean questions on Facebook, <laughs> okay, here, here's your part right here. Here's what I believe. When I drove down Highway 90 today to come to church, what was the speed limit? Does anybody know what speed limit is on Highway 90? 55, right? How many people you think were driving 55? Nobody. What do you think pastor was driving? How many think I was driving 65? Raise your hand. How many think I was driving 70? Raise your hand. How many think I was driving 75? Raise your hand. I'm embarrassed now, but keep going. How many think I was driving 80? Raise your hand. That's how fast I was driving. 80 miles an hour. So what is, what is the point that I'm making? You know what I think they should do? Raise the speed limit and then enforce it. Raise it and then enforce it. So say, hey, it's 80 miles an hour because really what does 80 miles an hour do? It makes for effective driving. When I was living in the south, it was 70 miles an hour. I'll make a compromise, 75. But the point is raise it because no one does it, and it's just allowing us to do things that we ought not to do. So if the law is here to help, don't make drivers hypocrites. Make us smart drivers. Raise it to a reasonable amount. Now enforce it, which means you get a speeding ticket. Don't make it a little tap on your shoulder, a little, hey, slow down, $100. No, make it $500. Second one, $1,000. Third one, you lose your license. Okay? 
Because now there is no more go with the flow of the traffic. Everybody's like, I'm going 75 miles an hour, dude. I ain't getting no $500 fine. And I believe that's the same thing America needs to do in this time of terrorism and the things that we're in danger with because of people coming that don't want to help us. They want to harm us, and they are using that Mexican border they found out. So we know what I think? Secure the border. Lock it down. And then say, you come over illegally, we are going to ship you back. We are going to prosecute you. But as we secure the border, we're going to loosen our immigration to get good people in here to do what the Statue of Liberty was built for. So as one brother said in the church, we're going to secure the border but leave the border open. We're going to secure it, but leave it open. So can you come into my house? Absolutely you can come into my house. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to bring you in. And I think that we should do that with people coming. They will respect us. They will enjoy this country, and I believe they can make it a better country. Just like all of us here stood up, that's how, how most of us came. That's how my family came, and I believe we can keep doing that. Amen? Can I hear an amen to them? Okay, just getting in closing here. And by the way, I got a cool altar call, okay? So if some of you guys were bored because we didn't speak in tongues and cast out devils and get you shouting and hollering, I just wanted to at least give you some nuggets of wisdom. Did anybody learn anything today? Okay, amen. If not, the worship was good, right? Wasn't the worship good? Like, ah, the preaching. But the worship was awesome. So I'm going to get the worship team back up and just have you sing a bunch of happy songs, amen? Okay, here, here's basically three general solutions to immigration. You can raise your hand for the one you're, you want. No, I'm just kidding. Um, very conservative, kick them out. Very liberal, let them stay. What is the bipartisan? Find a middle ground. Let them stay, abide by the laws. Those who have come here legally pay their fines, and the U.S. now enforces real immigration and labor laws. Because as I've studied this more, more and more, like I said, not just agriculture, but more and more jobs of blue-collar industry are relying upon this workforce. And so it's not as cut and dry as it used to be. They want them to stay. If you ask the farmers, we want them to stay. And I, I saw a documentary where it's like, well, Americans will do it. They actually shut down a farm, no illegal immigrants, and said to the American community, I think it was in Georgia or something, come and work these jobs, minimum wage, $8 an hour. And they did not come. Crops died on the fields. And you know what? They're not motivated like how my ancestors were motivated to get up in a coal mine. You don't understand? And if people are motivated to do it, let's get to do it. And let's build a middle class in America based on immigration because that's how I think America built a great middle class in the 1900s. That's how I think it came. That's up to you how you think it came. Okay. You don't have the microphone I do right now. But you can ask a question if you know another way to build a middle class. Okay. Here we go. So what is our position as a church? Here it is, right from the website of those awesome pastors that started from the beginning. Our national immigration, here I got the link as well. Our national immigration laws have created a moral and economic and political crisis in America. Initiatives to remedy this crisis have led to polarization and name calling in which opponents have misrepresented each other's positions as open borders and amnesty versus deportation of millions. This false choice, everybody say false choice, this is what I believe. It's a false choice has led to an unacceptable political um, stalemate at the federal level at a tragic human cost because people are getting hurt. We urge our nation's leaders to work together with the American people to pass immigration reform that embodies these key principles, which I'm going to read, that will make our nation proud. As evangelical Christian leaders, we can call for a bipartisan solution. That means both working together on immigration that does these things respects the God-given dignity of every person. 
Number two, protects the unity of the immediate family. Number three, respects the rule of law. Number four, guarantees safe national borders, ensures fairness, number five, fairness to taxpayers, and lastly, establishes a path toward legal status and a citizenship for those who qualify and wish to become reliable, uh, a permanent residence. And let me just say this to all my friends here who want to pursue citizenship. Think of it like this. You're not just becoming a citizen, you're becoming an American. See, sometimes when I talk to people, oh, I want to be a citizen, I want to be a citizen. And it's like, why? Well, because I want to get the benefits. I want to be able to go to school. Hold on, hold on. See, this may be one difference between this generation and the generation 100 years ago. When my Italian uh, immigrant family came over, they weren't coming just to get citizenship to do things here. They were coming to be Americans. When my Polish ancestors came, they didn't have Polish Day. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Polish Day and this and that. But they didn't come waving a Polish flag. They came here saying, I want to be an American. Now, an American is not a color. American is not a facial attribute, slanted eyes, big eyes. No, American is someone who loves the Constitution and the laws on which we base our nation on. So my thing, speaking to a congregation that has most of us related to the immigration issue in one way or another, let us help our nation by becoming Americans, by uniting under the flag and coming to the Constitution for our governance and saying, yes, like my wife, she may have her parents come from Greece, but she is first an American. She is an American. That's who she is. And she needs to be proud of that, and she needs to work hard at that. So if you're saying, no, I want to say Mexican, and I want to wave my flag, and I want all of this, and I want that, well, then go back to Mexico because that attitude is not how America became great. America did not become great by us coming together saying, let's all segregate here each other by our races and then just get as much as we can from the man. No. We came here with the idea, let's become one. And you know how that was lived out in my family? When my Italian grandpa went to World War II, he was ready to go drop bombs on Mussolini in Italy. See? Hello. My grandpa was an American. That meant Italy, Mussolini, you don't have the values that I have. I don't care if you're Italian or whatever. My grandpa went to war and he was ready to kill other Italians if he had to because in his heart he was an American. So unless you're ready to kill the country. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> unless you're ready to go to war with Mexican. But I just want oh, come on, let's just be real. Let's just be real. See, are you wanting us to have socialism like Mexico or whatever they have in Guatemala? Or do you love the American Constitution? Do you believe this is the land of the free and the home of the brave? When the 4th of July comes around, do you get excited? You say, well, I wasn't born here. It didn't matter. Our grandparents weren't born here. For many of us have been here now three and four generations. But they love this country. They loved what it stood for, and they brought their culture here. Because my mama can snap on, on some lasagna. She brought her culture passed down. Yes, we snap on Italian and Polish food. Don't get so excited about it, but kwunki and kubasa, you know, and things like that. But they kept it real. But here we were American. And so that's my encouragement to you. Luke 10, 36 through 37. 
the story of the Good Samaritan. You know the story. And at the end of it, Jesus asked, which one of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law answered, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. In the 21st century, who do you think is going to be a good neighbor to those who come here from other countries? Those who help them and believe in their cause, if it's a good cause. Those people will be neighbors. And Jesus told us to love God and love people, to love our neighbor. Amen? Now, here's a cool thing in the altar call. Can you refresh the page, please, because I, I changed the scripture. In closing, uh, Rachel, would you come to the keys? In closing, guess what? None of us have citizenship given to us by birth into heaven. All of us were born outside of heaven. I don't care how cute you look. When you were a baby, you weren't born in heaven. You weren't no angel. Now, God's mercy to children is if they pass before they can accept Jesus, the mercy to children is they go to heaven. He said, for the kingdom of God belongs to these. But here's the thing. Nobody here was born a citizen in heaven. Am I, am I telling the truth here? Okay, if you, thought, if you think you were born a citizen in heaven, we need to pray for you. Mental healing come in Jesus' name, okay? But guess what? You can get citizenship to heaven. You can come to Jesus and receive citizenship. And what does he ask you to do? To put your faith in him and want to obey his laws. He wants you to say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're the boss of my life. So all Christians here, you should be able to relate to immigration even if you didn't live in America, even if you didn't have your families coming from other countries. We all should be able to relate to it as Christians because we were all born as foreigners and strangers from God. But because God so loved the world, he came to us to bring us into his kingdom, to be citizens with him, to share the inheritance of what he did and that what we never could do. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So I'm going to get to the questions now. If you've asked them, I'm going to read them out and answer them. But as we get ready to close out today, I want to just ask you this. Number one, Christians... Do you believe that we should be kind to others as God has been kind to us? Let politicians and let our votes settle those matters. But right now, let's determine in our heart we're going to love people. And vote accordingly. Of course, vote. If you don't vote, you, you really shouldn't even have an opinion if you don't vote. Because voting makes your opinion real, you know. And then number two, if you're a non-Christian here, we invite you to come to heaven with us. There's no La Migra up there. There's no checking of your status up there. It's just, have you been born again? And every tribe, nation, and tongue will be there. Half Italian and Polish people will be there. Half Puerto Rican and Mexican will be there. Come on. Latinos will be there. Asians will be there. Africans will be there. Here's some questions. Uh, number five, asking a question about point number five. Even though... Immigration law enforcement 
would remove 50% of our agricultural workers? Shouldn't we recognize that this would be offset by the 40% of Americans who are unemployed uh, and are classified as underemployed? Absolutely. The question is, is uh, if we send out the illegal immigrants and then send everybody who's already here, go find a job, uh, would that solve the problem? And my answer to that is no, because they've already tried it. And then the example I was giving is because not everyone who's unemployed has this attitude, but a lot of Americans have had the poverty mentality and don't want to work. And that's why I'm saying when the immigration doors open and people come, they're coming to work, not just to suckle on the tea. And I would like to know the statistical difference between those who are American born in poverty and those who come from another country in poverty, how fast they move out of poverty. Because from my personal experience, watching people like from my family and others here, they move out of poverty much quicker than the communities I've been in, a part of in America that have been born as Americans into poverty. So I don't think it will solve the underemployment. I think Americans, by large, in the poverty sector are becoming more and more lazy and not working. And I think the immigration people are coming in are actually going to go back to those factory jobs that our grandparents used to have, working 10-hour days at minimum wage, and they're going to rejuvenate the economy. That's, so that would be my thought, and, and we can study that further. Uh, here's another question. Why nobody try to do something about it like the mayor or something? Okay. Well, I don't know why nobody ain't doing nothing about it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, I, I couldn't read it without putting in that little sass there, okay? So people are trying to change the immigration laws. They are, but there's so much disagreement. That's what I was addressing at the beginning. There's too many people with black and white, and I think it should be more gray. Okay, and I didn't have time to get into all the intricate details, but I think there's a great middle middle ground. I really do, and I think people should explore that. I, I just believe that. Okay, here's another question. I can't think of a question. You pretty much explained it. Happy birthday, Curtis. I can't believe I just read that. Where's Curtis? I guess it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Curtis. How did that guy sneak that in there? I feel like I'm Ron Burgundy from Anchorman, like I just read it. Like I didn't even think. I just read that thing. Let's all stand up. Let's give Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, a standing ovation. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to close out today with prayer. Could we pray for you before you go? If any need is on your heart, maybe you're going through a tough time, uh, we'd love to pray for you. If you're sick and you want healing, we believe God answers prayer. Uh, specifically today, if you really want to learn about citizenship and you're not here legally, can we pray for you that you'll do it righteously and we can help you as a church, maybe get some resources? I know I have some good brothers and sisters in the church that would love to help you. Or maybe if immigration has hurt you in some way, maybe you're, you're away from your family, uh, can we pray for your heart today to be healed? Uh, can everybody just look up at me, please? We love you and we just want to pray for you today. Next week's lesson is on drugs and addictions. Teen Challenge will be here talking about their testimonies. So anyone here that's concerned about that, come and let us all just hear the word of freedom, amen, that God will be offering. Let's close out in prayer. Father, I thank you today that you've made us citizens of heaven, that because of you and your cross, we all have a way to come in. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to all of us today to be those kind of witness uh, preachers everywhere we go, to just open up uh, our mouth and share about heaven and how you love people. Let us uh, ask everyone to be there with us. 
And I pray that our families will be there with us. If you have a lost family member, someone who doesn't know Jesus, would you just pray for them by name right now? Let's just think about that for a few moments before we go. Jesus, save my sister Lisa. Save them, Lord. Save my cousin Kara, Lord, and her fiancé. We ask you, Lord, to bring everyone into your kingdom. For the souls of men is why you came and died. For the Father's glory to come through the souls of men, to save them. And now, Lord, I pray for our nation. Would you just pray for our nation? Any part you can think of right now, mayors, senators, Congress, uh, just anything. Just, Lord, bless our nation. Bless us with wisdom. Some of you right now, just pray against corruption. Come on, who's put that, uh, who, who did God put that on your heart right now? Just pray it. Lord, you know, in your own words, Lord, take out corruption from America. Let's all just pray for America right now. Can we do that? 30 seconds, whatever's on your heart. Come on, young people. You could pray for God to spare us from the violence of angry gangbangers and young people killing each other. Come on, somebody pray for peace on our streets. Somebody pray for our schools. Somebody pray for the immigration laws to change. Someone pray for us about ready to go to war with ISIS, that God would protect our soldiers. Come on. 15 more seconds lifting up America. God bless America. Empower this nation to succeed. May righteousness be our foundation. How many need a job? Come on, pray for our economy. Lord, we pray for us to get out of the rut, out of the recession, for increase, for housing, Oh, Lord, for the, the industry to come back. Lord, we ask you to bless this nation. And lastly, now in closing, would everybody pray with me that we would help the stranger, the naked, the homeless, that we would be like the sheep that Jesus talked about that he's going to reward in Matthew 25. Would you pray right now for the Lord to use you? Not just the homeless that have come from our country, but the stranger from another country. Lord, help us to be compassionate. Help us to be kind. Help us to give to those who don't have. Make us good Samaritans, Jesus. The church that you've called us to be a part of, the vision you've given us is to love God and love people. And you said that the example of love in 1 John is Jesus who laid down his life for us. How much more should we now lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters? We're one race, the human race. In Jesus' name. Can you now look up, please? Grab your neighbor by the hand like one big happy family and get ready to sing. We are family, brother and sister and me. We are family. <laughs> I'm going to have this conquistador. We didn't have time to get into the um, Native Americans, African American slavery, all of that I have so much compassion for. But look at this conquistador right here. Come on, would you pray for us, my brother, today? Lord, we thank you so much for your word, God. Just so much wisdom there, so much good information, Lord God. Lord, we pray for this congregation, Lord God, that you would just continue to pour out your spirit. You continue to pour out your wisdom. You continue to equip your church, your saints, God, your bride, God, so we may go out and shine your light, Father. Bless every person here, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, slap your neighbor high five and say citizenship.
Amen. Sing us a song. Here's the after party. If you want to join us, let's pray for you. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great week. We love you. Come on. If you want to stay after, let's worship and pray together. Jesus. If you have prayer needs, let us pray for you. Mighty is our God. We love you today, Jesus. Bless your people, Lord.